Hallelujah. Today I would like to speak to you uh, briefly about what is to be a distinct people. I, uh, two weeks ago, I spoke about honor, that we need to learn to honor. Honor is key for our blessing. Without honor, you cannot make it to the next level in your spiritual, even in your physical life. That's why the Bible says, honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be increased on this earth. Amen. Then last week, um, I spoke about, last week, but one, again, I think about two weeks ago, I spoke about a, a pride versus humility. What is pride and what is humility? And then uh, in the process, I had so many questions. For example, I got um, men asking questions like, Pastor, how do we salvage our ego in light of that um, message? How do we do that? And I got uh, some few questions about women asking, Pastor, am I being proud when I uh, choose to do this in my marriage? And, you know, can that be pride? And um, is this the way we call humility? How do I identify uh, that I am proud? And, I, and then I, I still send them back to listen again to the message of Pride versus what? Humility. Take your time. Go back. Listen. This teaching is not going to help you in church only. Do you understand what I'm saying? This message is going to help you at your workplace. It's going to help you where you are married, in your family, where God has put you to be a, a daughter-in-law, a son-in-law, to be a whatever position God has given you in life. That message is going to help you if you really give your heart to listen to it. So, today I, um, I wanted to talk about how to become a distinct people as children of God. Uh, this is what helps you to know that when you operate this way, you are not proud, okay? What is it? To feel confident as a child of God and still remain humble. Amen? You know, one thing I want to speak to you today um, about is a verse that I will dwell on and then I will give you more scriptures. But I would love to speak about um, uh, the book of Peter, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. That's where I will start. So that we know our identity. Identity is key. When someone has identity crisis, we have a problem. Amen? If you have identity crisis, we have problems. Without knowing your identity, I always say abuse is inevitable. You can't be abused because you don't know who you are. You can be abused because you don't know your position. You can be abused because you are ignorant of what is rightfully yours. In this nation, these days, you need to know your rights. Amen. 
Amen, right? So, our struggle is to know our what? Our rights as Africans. What are our rights? How can I be safe in this nation? If I am stopped by police, how am I supposed to react? It's all about knowing your identity and knowing how to react. But in that position, you can actually react ignorantly and do things that will destroy you. Amen? So identity is very important. I have counseled people who said, I want to know my identity. Who am I? Who am I? I want to know my identity. And people, they, they, they really struggle just to know who is my father. You know what I'm talking about? Why they say, I want to know who is my father. They're trying to find identity. But this is the first thing I want you to understand before you try and find other identities. Because when you know this identity about yourself, everything else will fall into what? Into place. Knowing who you are in Christ. So that how you act in the world, you know, here I'm not, you know, it's very difficult when you don't know how to react to issues around you. You can be in a place and you don't know how to behave because you don't really know what's your position. I, I always give an example of a son of a wealthy man. And the wealthy man started businesses and did everything in his life. He had businesses, but he passed on before his son turned 18. So when the young brother to the father was made the executor, right? Somebody is supposed to manage the wealth for the boy according to the will. Amen. It's very important to write a will if you've got children. So, the will was saying when the child turned 18, the father was supposed to what? The uh, bro young brother was supposed to transfer the wealth to the what? To the son. At the age of what? 18. But the young brother, when the brother was buried, he kicked away the woman and the child. He said, you killed my brother, go, right? For years, the men didn't want to hear about this man, this woman and this boy. So he didn't care where they lived. He didn't care what was happening to them. So this woman struggled to raise his son. Hallelujah. She raised to raise his son. The son went to one of the most lowly schools they could ever find. Even though the mother did her best to teach and train the child. But the struggle continued until the child turned 18. When the child turned 18, the mother told his son something he was always telling him. There is an inheritance for you. Then finally the son asked, if I have an inheritance, if my father was this, why do I walk with sleepers? Why do I sleep where I sleep? Why do I go to the school that I go? Why do I live in this community where I was? This is what happened. Because they could not locate the brother, right? Right? 
So, when the brother heard that that boy who turned 18 is looking for you because he wants his inheritance, he hired thugs to kill that boy because he didn't want with the wealth that this child, the father left for him. Children of God, ignorance is not good. The Bible says, my people perish for lack of what? Knowledge. The enemy of a man is not people next to that person. It's yourself. You destroy yourself. If you don't want to seek knowledge, if you don't want to know, you are just prejudicing yourself. You are sabotaging yourself. Hallelujah. But I want to speak to you so that from today you understand who you are. That's the position you stand with to claim what is rightfully yours. Because if you don't know who you are, you cannot even claim what is rightfully yours. For example, 2,000 years ago, a man called Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. When you read the book of Isaiah chapter 53, there is a verse embedded in there that said on that cross he carried our suffering, our pain. And by his stripes we were what? Is it saying you shall be healed? Is it saying you shall be healed? I'm asking a question. Does the scripture verse say you shall be healed? What does it say? You are healed. You are healed. When? When were you healed? 2,000 years ago. So when you fall sick, what are you supposed to do? Uh, so when you don't know your, your identity, what do you do? Please, God, heal me. Hey, please, I'm dying, God, please, please. I'm dying, please, God, heal me. Please, please, God, heal me. And he's looking at you, he's like, what's wrong with this child? Because you don't know who you are. But today, allow me to help you understand your identity. Let's look at First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is key. This is key. In your spiritual journey, this is key for your success in this Christian journey. And you'll be able to differentiate the pride of the flesh. The pride of the flesh. And what is humility? And still walk in humility and the fear of God with confidence. And what? And boldness. First Peter 2 verse 9. Let's go. But you, let's go together. Let's read. A chosen. Give, give me a KGV, I think new KGV that says you are a chosen generation. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him. He has called you out of? Into what? Uh, did you find it? Let's go together one more time. 
But you are the generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, you see, this verse tells us two main things to begin with. Number one, it tells you what you are. Number one, it tells you. Number two, it tells you why we are what we are as believers. Why we are what we are as believers. Those are the two things this verse talks about. Just two. Number one, what does it say? No, 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 no. What? Number one, what does it say? What you are. Number two, why you are what you are. Number one, let's go. What I am. Number two, why I am. What I am. Hallelujah. Number one, I want to address we are a chosen generation. What is it? The word generation mean? The word generation means offspring. <laughs> if you don't get this, I'm telling you, you're going to be begging the rest of your life. You live a life of begging. God has provided everything for us, and we should access it in Jesus' name. It's our right. But if you don't believe faith is a substance of things hoped for, not seen by your eye. Now, offspring means descendants, right? An offspring is a what? Is a descendant. It also means that a, a, an offspring is also a product. Something that is produced by somebody or out of someone. It means the consequence or the result of something. That's what generation means, right? We may also call it a race, right? It's a generation. So number one key, we are God's offspring. <laughs> a cow begets a what? A cow. A donkey gives birth to a? A dog gives birth to a? An animal gives birth to her, and a human being gives birth to her, and a spirit gives birth to her. You are spirit. You live in a household body. You are spirit. You live in a household. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 say, God made man in his own image. After his own likeness. He's not talking of this body. This body does not understand spiritual things. This body does not understand spiritual things. This is why it tells you, this body, it tells you you can't. You can never. It's not possible. Because it's the body. It has limitation. It cannot go beyond what it can see. It lives here. But there is you. You, you, when I say you, I'm not talking of this body wearing bling bling. Today, pastor's wearing bling bling because I wanted to show you how royal I am. You need to look good when you come to the house of God. I don't have to look good when I go to the club. This is my club in Jesus. 
this is where you must look good here. And when you come, we lie here, prostrate before Yahweh, our king. No matter what you are wearing. Royalty is who you are. Chosen generation. Hallelujah. We are the offspring of God. The spirit in you has no limitation. The spirit man. You know, when we talk of the spirit man, when you die today, have you ever heard saying, he's gone, she's gone? Have you heard that? What are they talking about? Yet they are seeing your body lying there. Why are they saying she's gone? Who are they talking about? He's gone or she's gone. He has left us. The man. He never dies. Come on. He does not die. What die is your body? The house is destroyed. But the spirit man lives on forever. If you do good, you will live forever. If you don't live good, then the spirit will suffer forever. Spirit does not die. You can't kill a spirit. It doesn't die. You kill the house. So if you bewitch me, you are simply bewitching the house. But you can't touch my spirit. I can still stand and make it. Amen. So, number one key, we are God's offspring. God begat a God. Aha! Psalm chapter 82, right? Verse 6. God begat a what? Are we there, Tonde? Psalm 82, verse 6. God gave birth to gods. Let's go. I said, uh-huh. Come on, read like you want to read the word. One more time. Come on, say it. Hmm. John 3, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. That which is born of the spirit is what? Spirit. Give us John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is? What is born of flesh? Which one is your flesh? Aha. Whenever you feel this thing trying to tell you, do that, tell the flesh that you have got no right to tell me what to do. My spirit must rule over my flesh. That's key number one. As we know, we are a chosen generation to live in humility. You must tell your flesh to die. It must not exist. I <laughs> your spirit must be above your flesh. Your spirit, man, when it is under your flesh, you've got a problem. You've got, because your spirit will be telling you what to do and your flesh will keep on telling you no. So what you need to do to understand how to rule in this, in this journey as spirits, as those with dominion and authority, you got to allow the spirit man to rule. You must allow your spirit man inside. You must rule. So when the spirit is ruling, it is only your spirit that hears from God, not your body. This body is so proud. It will tell you I'm not going to church because I worked last night. I'm tired. But we need here today. Amen. I worked last night. I'm not going to church. My body is tired. I need to rest. 
But the spirit man will, will tell you, wake up. You do not live by bread alone. You do not live by bread alone. But by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. It's the spirit man with the word, right? So if your spirit man is malnourished, it's a dwarf. The spirit man, the chosen generation, must be fed with the word of God. If the spirit, if you have no word of God in your spirit man, if you are always feeding things of the flesh to your spirit man, you've got spiritual kwashoka. Spiritual kwashoka. Do you know what kwashoka is? You know kwashoka? You have got your spirit, your flesh has got big head, but your spirit is nothing. Spiritual kwashioka. Spiritual dwarfs. You know, Paul calls them women who just learn and learn, but they never got to. Janice and Jambres. <laughs> Do you know that verse? <laughs> All right, we are the begotten of God, born of God. God has begotten us. First Peter 3, verse 1. First Peter 1, verse 3 to 5, to 5, it says, Blessed be the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and, the, and that fadeth not away. Come on. And that fadeth not away. Hmm? It does not fade. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is why faith is so key in a believer's life. We believe the word of God by faith. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth by what? We believe that Jesus came into our hearts by what? We believe that we are true children of God by what? You also believe that you are royalty by? Without faith, this is a spiritual issue here. It's not a physical. This is why you've got problems when people live in the flesh. The way they think, it's all about the flesh. The way they react to things, it's all about the flesh. Because when your flesh is dead, a dead flesh, does it move? They will curse you, what do you do? You are still dead. You will not make a move. They will gossip about you, what do you do? What do you do? A dead, a dead person, if you gossip about them, what do they do? Nothing. When your flesh is dead, you are not worked up by anything. You are not just, hey, they say this, hey, about me. Hey, it's, all, it's not all about you. When the flesh is dead, it comes quiet. Amen. When your flesh is dead, it keeps quiet. It learns not to respond to barking dogs. You know these are barking what? But if it's a critical criticism, you repent and you make things right because your spirit man will agree with what people are saying about you. That's a person with a spirit that is alive. You receive 
what is true. And your spirit denies that which is ungodly. Because you're what? Because you're what? Who are you? Come on, church. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Who are you? I am spirit. Come on. Who are you? Uh oh. You need to know your identity today. <laughs> if you don't know who you are, abuse in a is inevitable. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. A royal priesthood. Mm. Mm. Before I go to the royal priesthood, I want you to understand. Say to yourself, I am a product. I am a consequence. I am a result of God birthing me. You are the begotten of the Lord. You are the begotten of the Lord. I love verse 3. Is it verse 7 of uh, Psalm 82, 6? It says, if you don't know it, you're going to die like me, amen. Ordinary. Aha. You're going to die like a mere man. If you read Psalm 82 verse 1, it actually talks about God addressing gods in the congregation. You need to know who you are. Psalm 82 verse 1. It says God came among the congregation of who? Of gods. To talk, to address gods. Hallelujah. Seven, what does it say? But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. I like the verse that says you will die like me, amen. I'm going to talk about what is a royal priesthood. This is where the issue is. This is everything hinges here. If you don't know that you are royalty, if you don't know, you pray every day. Hey, me, God, I'm just a worm. Hey, hey, when we say repent, you, you hear, <laughs> you laugh and you say, really? Does this person know who, who she is really before God? When we say repent, hey, God, forgive me. I'm just a dust. I'm nothing. And I'm just a, a mere worm. Forgive me, Lord. I'm just, a, I'm just a wind. I'm nothing. And God is looking at you. He's like, is this my prince or princess? Is this the king I ordained to rule on earth? Hallelujah. There are two extraordinary things here that I'll talk about together. Royalty and priesthood. Give me Revelations 1 verse 6. You, you don't find this state of affairs in the Old Testament, okay? What I'm teaching you was not in the Old Testament. In the Old, Old Testament, we didn't have this kind of identity. Do you understand what I'm saying? But this new identity came when Christ was crucified and he rose again. That's when we become who we are. And you've got to understand today who you are in Christ Jesus. So that when you pray and ask God for what you need, you're not going to pray like a beggar. We are not what? Beggars. We are sons of God. The Bible does not say sons and daughters. It says we are all what? 
sons of God. Who is the son in a woman? The spirit of that woman is a man. The house is a female. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This house is a female. It has got its own work that are different from the male body, the male house. But the one talking to you is not a female. This is a man, spirit man. That's why we call God made men. God made in whose image? And that how do, who does she look or he look like? Who does the man look like? In his own image. After his own likeness. We are gods. If you don't get it, you're going to remain with that mentality of begging. Even when you go before God, you are always begging for things. Every single day, you are begging, please, God, uh, please, 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 rent, 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 please, please, the tenant, please. Kings could not be priests and priests could not be kings in the Old Testament. Do you understand? Priests were just priests. Kings were just what? If you remember the story of Saul and, um, is it Saul? No, 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 no. This, is it Saul? The story of uh, this man of God, Samuel, and Saul, right? The one who went and made a sacrifice and because he thought the priest was late. And then he went, I had Saul and Samuel, right? So Samuel uh, Saul thought the man of God was late and he stood in the position, in the foot of the priest, and he wanted to offer the offering. And what happened? The, the, the kingdom was taken away from him, back to become ordinary, like everyone else. But today the word of God says, in, did you get Revelations 1 verse 6? And God has made us what? God has made us? He has, come on, say it for yourself. Don't be too miserable. Kings, they speak with confidence. He has made us what? As kings, we are royalty. And as priests, we are priestly. We have the priestly in us now. Amen. Now there is a purpose in that we shall explore in this journey. The purpose of being a priest is for you to intercede, to offer sacrifices, to stay at the altar of your family, of your life, of the church, of people of God. That's priestly garments that now we've been put upon. That's what priestly means. You now can offer. In the Old Testament, the priests were the only ones who would burn what? Offer incense. And they were the only ones who were supposed to bring what? Offerings before God. But now, the veil was what? Torn apart. And we were also drawn into, we were given access, called in to become priests today. So you stand at your altar in your own home, not the altar of PCI. Say, I'm the guardian for this altar when you come to church. But when you leave, you partook from this altar. We have the highest altar, Golgotha. And when you go to your house, 
You are the priest in your house. Stand on your altar. Destroy the power of the enemy. Speak things. You are the God. Create things into existence. Speak life. Let the dead become alive. Call things that are not as though they are. See them manifest before you. You are a God. You are not mere ordinary. Hallelujah. That's what priestly is. Kings, they make decrees. Kings, they make what we call decrees. When kings speak, it becomes a law. When kings speak, it becomes a will never get married. The king has what? Spoken. And the king will never get married. The king has decreed. And then the what? It will be declared. Right? Declaration. You are establishing what you have spoken. You make a declaration of what you have spoken. The Bible says, you shall decree a what? A thing. And it shall be what? Established. What you say about yourself will be waiting for you two years from now. What you say about yourself will go ahead of you and it will manifest tomorrow. You know what people say about you doesn't matter. It's what you say about yourself. People will say everything they think in their minds you are like this. Hey, they'll pull you down. You know when people talk about you, what they mean is you must die or just disappear. There's hatred that in people's hearts that is so scared that when they talk about your name, what they wish for is for you never to see you again. People can be hateful. When they gossip about you, they wish you evil. But what do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? Because when you know who you are, you are going to speak decrees. You are going to take the words that has been spoken, released into the atmosphere about your name, and you break them into nothing. You render them null and void. We speak lies upon myself. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I will not allow any human being to destroy what God has blessed. Ha ha. One man tried it. Balaam tried to kiss the children of Israel. But the Bible says, when he tried it, he told this man who was standing next to him, he said, hey, there's trouble. Trouble. He said, what? He said, I can't kiss these people. He said, why? He said, because they are blessed. You cannot kiss what God is blessed. Don't compete with people. When there's grace upon you guys, when there's grace in your life, nobody can compete with grace. They can do everything. They can pull you down. They can sabotage you. They'll try everything. You still rise. You still shine. Decree good things about your life. You see them into manifestation. Pray. Wear the garment of priestly. It's holy. When you put on that one, those things will come and they will slip and fall to the ground because God is poured in oil of anointing upon your life. You are dangerous. When you say back to sin, ah, let it manifest there. 
You are decreeing. Amen. <laughs> we have people who enchant our names in our villages. And you are just quiet, yet you are a king. Day after day, they are winning. Day after day, what they are saying is manifesting. And you are just quiet, yet you have got royalty gowns. Yet you are wearing priestly garments. Yet you have got an altar. What are you using the altar for? Rise up. Be prayerful. Know that out there your name is called for evil purposes daily. You got to stop the lions from devouring you. You know when people gossip about you, what are they doing? They are taking away from you. Every moment they speak evil about your name, they are taking away from you. And you have got to replenish yourself on the altar of Yahweh. You are a priest. Royal priesthood. You are not ordinary. It says we are a holy nation. The word holy is used by Peter to express something more and higher than just sacred. Something that is morally blameless. Come on. This is why I tell those who lead prayer. I say don't tell us that we are sinners. We are not sinners. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We have been purchased. We are a holy people before God. It's us who choose to go and eat with pigs. But you are holy. I said it's you who makes a decision to eat with pigs. But God has made you holy. You are righteous before God. You did not work for it. You did not buy it. You did not deserve it. The grace just came because he loved you. But you take yourself back to eat with pigs. It's your choice. We are a holy nation. God-likeness. We are God-like. Do you understand what it means to be holy? It's to be God-like. God bathed us to be like him. We are like God. Image of God. We are not an imitation. We are the original. A holy nation. Hallelujah. The word nation means race. Therefore, we are God-like race. <laughs> I don't know if you understand the language I'm talking today. We are God-like race. We are not ordinary people when you look at us. People, they don't know us outside there. They just point fingers. They just talk blah, 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 blah. Because they don't know who you are. When you know who you are, you don't even waste. Because your flesh is dead. So you don't react. But at least you know who you are. And you continue to work with your head held high. We have assumed an entirely new identity in Christ. When God looks at you, he does not see, um, you know, we call ourselves with totems. He does not see Chihera oro mbizi, Madwe oro museama, gushungo umba. You know what we call ourselves with those totems. God does not see you that way. That's a man naming people. That's how people see you. That's how people call you. But that's not how God sees you. We are a God-like race. We carry the DNA of heaven. You know, when you know who you are, you don't play games. Oh. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 17, it says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. 
uh, give me in an LTV, NLT version, I think. Uh, I think New King James Version will do it. I'll read in NLT. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we now know him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You are a new creature in Christ. You've got a new DNA. Your blood. This is when you pray for the generational cases. You know where you stand there, you've got to understand that there was a blood transfusion that happened between you when you gave Christ your life. A blood transfusion happened. This is why all principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, all those spirits from your family and the generation, that's why they are under your feet. When you wake up in the morning, they're afraid. But let me tell you two things that are so dangerous for every believer. Fear and faith. The devil thrives. He uses the spirit of fear. God uses faith. So if you have fear, the devil capitalizes on your fear and he uses fear to suppress, to oppress, to cause things to remain what they are. But if you're a person of faith, faith, it actually causes God to begin to do things to manifest in your life. God operates, even if you want money, faith is the currency. Because you've got faith. You don't doubt what God is capable of doing. And you know the principles, because according to the word of God, you know all the principles that will cause God to act and send angels to work on your behalf financially because you already know what the principles in the word of God, what are you supposed to do to get that breakthrough into a financial breakthrough. So by faith, I act. So what it means is if I give my tithe to the Lord in this church, right? If I come with my tithe, in my mind, I am so convinced that God is going to act on my behalf. So when I give, I don't just give pay. That's why I said we don't pay tithes. That's why I don't talk about 10% tithing because I have never in my life given 10%. I've never. So my giving is not um, just giving physically because when you do it physically, nothing happens. It's a subject for another day. I give in faith. I give in what? I give in what? I bless anyone in faith. Even when I go and give the blind. I told you when I went to Africa, I only had very little money left. And I wanted to buy instruments for the church in Zimbabwe. What did I do? I took the money that I had left with in faith. I went at the townhouse. You know, there are always blind people and lame people all around that place. I took that money in faith. And I would give to every blind person here. I would give to the lame there. And I would stood there. I would say, receive this money. And they would take it. And I was waiting for every word that they release in their mouth. Every one of them. If they don't say the same thing, I said, yeah, I've given you US dollars, not Zim dollars. I was simply waiting for them to release one word. 
And I took those words. I stood on them. I was left with very little money. I bought every instrument that was required in the church. God can extend my buying power. By faith. It's not done physically. Come on. If you use your flesh, hey, I need to pay rent. I will leave this. It's physical. Your flesh is alive. You're using fleshly things to do godly things. It does not mix. It's water and oil. Principles should hold you by faith and see God in action. Hallelujah. Peculiar people, verse what? The same verse. We are a peculiar people. Peculiar is something unusual. Peculiar is something different. Peculiar means something unique, not ordinary. Peculiar means something distinct. Peculiar means something different. I preached last week. I talked about we are distinctive people. We are a, a different people. We are not like everybody. When they tell in our house, I tell my kids when they say, oh, but everybody's doing it. I tell them, yeah, everybody's doing it, but you're not everybody. You are different. Ah, but their family does this. I said, that's their family. This one is unique, is different. We are different. Don't do things because somebody does it. Ah, ah, you are shooting yourself in the foot. For here, God came through the door for you. You come through the window. I spoke, I think, uh, if you want to know about distinct, go listen to last week's message. I preached a lot on what it means. We are an acquired people. We are peculiar. We are, uh, this word here is also used to show that in the sense of acquisition, we were purchased, we were ransomed, we were bought. We are an acquired people whom God has bought and obtained to himself. Hey, come on, somebody. There is a verse, I didn't manage to pull it out, that says we are God's most, I think it's Ephesians 1.14, that says we are God's most prized possession. There is nothing that is worthy more than you. That's why David says, God, what is man that you are so mindful of him? You are thinking about men every single hour. Why? You have made him a little lower than angels. Come on, you are a little lower than angels. You are a God. God kind. I'm God kind. There is a Shona song that we sing. And we say, mando. That's who we are. It's our identity. I can't change it. It's not pride, we need. That's who I am. Do you get it? That's who I am. I can't change it. Do you know what he said, Jesus, when the Pharisees tried to say he's so pompous, he calls himself a God? He had called himself a God, <laughs> and they were like, he's trying to show off. He's not even a God, this Jesus. He, first John chapter 10, verse 34 to 35, he said, listen, if, <laughs> if it is written in the law that you are holding, you say you believe in the Bible. It's written in your Bible. If it is written that I am a God, that you and me, we are gods, who has the power to deny it? That's what it says. Give me John, first John 10. Jesus replied, it is written in your own scriptures. People, they hold this Bible and they still don't believe it. 
They eat it like fish. They choose what they want to believe. I was saying to someone else, we were arguing about the tithes and offerings. He said, oh, tithes is in the Old Testament. I said, don't believe and pray any prayer in the Old Testament. Because it's all gone. He says, it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, which face is this? I say you are gods. Anyways, okay. I say you are gods. Go to the next one. And you what? Let's go together. And you know that the scripture cannot be what? Come on, say it. The scriptures cannot what? Who do you think you are to alter scriptures? You can't. We cannot alter what the Bible says about me. That's who I am. It cannot be what? So if those people... Go back. Go back. Sorry. Oh, okay. Where were you? It cannot be altered. Verse 35. Okay, let's go. And you know that the scripture cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called God's... Go to verse 36. Why do you call it blasphemy when I say... Let's read together. He knew you before you were born in your mother's womb. We are Christians because he set us apart. He bought us with the most prized possession. You are not here to be a Christian because you think, oh, I want to choose to go to church. No. It's grace. It's grace that you are here. There are some people who want to be at church, but they, their flesh, something, tied them and they can't find themselves to make it to church. You made it. It's grace. Don't be proud about it. It's grace. Mercy. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his, his glory. Another version says, if you do, give me the ESV. It says, who is the down payment? Amen? The down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. There is nothing general or ordinary about who we are. Do you, did you understand what I said? I said there is what? Nothing what? General or what? Ordinary. Did you hear that, Matilda? About who you are in Christ Jesus. It is not humility but ignorance to tell God that you are just a worm or a dog or some helpless duck that needs God's mercy. That's not, that's not humility. If you are praying that way, you need to stop. You are a king. That's why the word of God says when you come before me, come with what? confidence and what? And boldness. That's who you are. Kings, they don't beg. Kings, they don't beg. Hmm? They don't beg. There's nothing general or ordinary about who you are. You were never called to be a church attendee. He never called you to sit and warm the bench. Come here, we listen, eat, and go out there. And then just feed yourself. Come back and eat. And you, you end up being a what? A dwarf who just eats and eats and eats and eats and never gives out. What you eat, you need to give it to the world. 
So, in my final closing, the last verse of that verse, he said, he called you out of what? Into what? To do what? That's the why of your existence, the why of your royalty, the why of your what? Of your priesthood. That's the last part. Put it up there. The last part. Why did he call you out of... What did, uh, why did he choose you? That you may what? So if you don't tell people about Jesus, are you royalty? Are you chosen? Are you peculiar? Are you unique? You don't talk about Jesus to others. You just shut your mouth. I'm just royalty. This is not for you. <laughs> you were created to be royalty, to tell the world. That's your job. The why of your being chosen, Tariro, is to tell the world the glory of God. Hamu, did you hear that? It's for you to go out there and tell the world there is a God. Today, I just wanted to dwell on that verse only and talk to you and not scream at you. Because we are always quoting that verse. I am a chosen generation. Call forth to show his excellence. He called us to show his excellence. When you sin, are you showing excellence? You are putting down the name of the Lord. Remember the Bible says you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You carry the flavor of God to season the earth. Are you seasoning? What are you doing? With royalty and priestly. With your priestly gown. What are you doing with those gowns? Sitting in your house with Tendi and singing every day. Jesus loves us, Tendi, me and me. Every day. The world is waiting for your voice. Nyari, the world is waiting on your voice to show the excellence of him who delivered you out of darkness into light. Carol, do you hear me? You did not come in this church to be an attendee. No, you got work. MQ, do you hear me, my son? Your duty is to so show the excellency. How many things have you done for you? You've done so much for me. And I cannot tell it all. And what are you doing with He's done so much for you? Are you that kind of a child who keeps on saying, give me, give me, give me. Every day, just give me, give me. No, thank you. No, even telling that I'm a good father or a good mother. There's things that you need to tell the world that God is a good God. You need to go to the world and tell them, brothers and sisters, had it not been for Jesus, I would not be here. I would like to ask you to stand up. With all these questions, I want you to challenge your spirit man. Are you limiting your spirit man by feeding your flesh so much that your spirit man is kwashioka? Is your spirit man starving? He has nothing.
to give to the world because you can't give what you don't have. Probably you are just empty. The word that you hear is when you come to church on Sunday. We have got YouTube videos. We are on Facebook. We have got postings that we do every day. Someone cannot even say amen, meaning they don't even have time. But when you post and you go and you check, you see everybody's read it. Why can't you say amen? Get it into your spirit. Amen means so shall it be unto me also. Put an amen. When you go to view on YouTube, comment. I am royalty. I'm chosen. When you watch this video, say something. Be in agreement with what the pastor says. At least be in agreement. Somebody pay, finishes the woman. They've never read the, 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 the Bible. Your spirit has got kwashoka. That's why the devil takes advantage of you. He kicks you left, right, left, right, and center. He abuses you. You just think every time. You are thinking fleshly things. Ah, they did this to me. Hey, I hate them. Hey, they've done this. There's no spirit that is working. The spirit also is dead because your spirit is submitted to your flesh. Your flesh must submit to your spirit, man. If you are alive in Christ, your spirit should be on the throne, not your flesh. My flesh must die so that Christ may live in me. That's true humility before God. Your flesh is the one that rules. Everything about you is the flesh telling you what to do. Challenge yourself. Open your mouth. Speak to your God. I am chosen. I'm royalty. But this is the way I react before you. I'm a sinner. That's what causes you to be a sinner. Not that you have been stealing or prostituting. It's your mindset, your attitude before God. The way you carry yourself. Who are you in the presence of God? 